0: Welcome to today's episode of Building Builders, a podcast made for contractors. Today's guest is Megan Tannell, president of the Association of Equipment Manufacturers and the host company for ConExpo and several other industry events. On this episode, topics we cover include the importance of the IIJA, the Infrastructure Investment and Jobs Act, the role small towns play in manufacturing, and how to make trade schools more attractive to young students. Remember to follow and subscribe on whatever streaming service you use
1: hey megan it's awesome to meet you uh thanks for joining us
2: you too kevin i wish i could have met you in las vegas but this will do
1: next time for sure for sure uh so megan uh i've really been looking forward to uh to this and you know thanks again for you to uh, join our building builders podcast uh, maybe just to kick things off would love to learn just a little bit more about yourself and uh Um, You know, I've got some notes here about your your four daughters and, you know, the AEM and I think there's a whole lot of pride there about uh, being the president of AEM. Let me just kind of hand it over. I'd love to hear a little.
2: Uh, The fact that I'm in the office on a Friday afternoon where it's 80 degrees and sunny in Milwaukee, Wisconsin (laughs) tells you how much I love my job. Um, Again, that 80 (laughs) degrees and sunny in Milwaukee, Wisconsin in April is not normal, so. Uh, no, I'm happy to be here and um, feel very honored that you even wanted to spend all this time with me. But I born and raised here in a suburb of Milwaukee and uh, went to school in Wisconsin and lived for a little bit in Chicago. But basically, I was hired as an intern at what was then SEMA. So um, now we're AEM, the Association of Equipment Manufacturers, representing construction, agriculture, forestry, mining, and utilities. But in the start we were um, construction industry manufacturers association so there was a merger along the lines in there and uh, i was hired um, after my internship and and you'd say the rest is history so for me uh, my husband and i got married and started having kids and um, my family all they've known is mom travels mom works someplace with a lot of men and there's a lot of equipment (laughs) that does that does a lot of things so Um, You know, started having kids, finally stopped having kids in 2011. So we do, we have four daughters, I have one in college. Um, So that's a whole interesting uh, concept of being a parent of a child in college when you remember what you did in college, or at least (laughs) I remember what I did in college. So I have a 20 year old, an 18 year old who's a senior in high school, and then a a 13 year old and a 11 year old, both in middle school. So we're kind of spread out a little bit, but um, I, I have worked here well, off and on, I did leave for a little bit for about 25 years, and it's just something new and different every day. Uh, I love it, I love what I do, I love the industries I'm in, and I love the people I work with.
1: Awesome. What drew you to the construction industry?
2: So, I don't know many people that weren't born into it that are drawn to the construction industry um, necessarily, but it was more along the lines of um, the association, and. I didn't really know much about associations or construction. Um, it was a paid internship. I'm not going to lie, and I say this because I think that there's a whole group of us that fell into this industry and liked where we landed. Like we had no desire to crawl out from it, right? So once I got here, I, w- I started uh, working on trade shows. So that's the cool, fun stuff that you get to do, right? It's like. Planning the biggest party for a hundred thousand of your friends. And right. in doing that, um, I got to build relationships with the equipment manufacturers from all levels and learn about what they do and why they do it. And um that just created a a love for the industry within me too.
1: I think we uh so love hearing that message. Um I hear a similar message to that regularly. I think we uh uh, we can all do better. We need to figure out a, a way to share that message and, and have it so that people don't fall into this fantastic job. Right, <laughs> right. They should know about it and, you know, really want to do it right out of the, off the bat. But um, yeah, great. Thanks for sharing.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, so we wanted to talk a little bit about uh, the uh, infrastructure uh, investment and in the Jobs uh, Act and uh, um, You know, talking about uh, the Infrastructure Act first, can you tell us uh, uh, just how significant the 1.2 trillion investments uh, will be for the industry?
2: Well, I'll start first by saying that the investment is super important just (laughs) for the citizens that live in the country that are gonna benefit from it, right? I mean, we're talking about significant spending to bring our roads and bridges um up to where hopefully i mean just up to where they should be i mean when you're talking about a very developed modernized country um living with infrastructure that's graded between c's and d's when it comes to safety and and structure and structural support and that it's just it's not right right so for me i think that you know the biggest thing is that this is going to benefit everyone um for the industry specifically it's it's pretty simple, right? We represent equipment manufacturers. They make the equipment that's gonna be used to um, better our roads and our bridges and our ports. And um, so that's significant right there in and of itself. Um, but then that's that's one slice of it, right? So our industry has a bigger impact than just providing the equipment, of course. Um, mm-hmm. We provide a lot into just the American economy. Um, equipment manufacturers add about, billion to the gross uh, GDP. And um, that's just in the United States alone. based on last year's numbers. Uh, We represent about 7.5% of the total manufacturing output of the United States. And our workforce makes up about 11% of total manufacturing employment base. So you talk about the investment that'll be put in, the equipment you know that can be made that then can be sold that then can be used and there's all these jobs in play um, and all these families supported them too
1: yeah I mean it's it's tremendous I love that you started with you know the impact it's gonna have for you know everyone <laughs> and
2: it's uh, bigger you know, than you or I right it, yeah right yeah <laughs> how many times have you driven down the road and you've hit a pothole and you're like crap what did that do I, and pop a tire or do something like that I mean there's such a big impact or Maybe I know too much, but when you're driving over certain bridges, I almost, almost someone's like, you want to hold your breath? Like, is this one of those bridges? And I don't mean to, I don't mean to inappropriately scare anyone, but we've heard those stories. They've been happening. Um, And they shouldn't be. We're strong enough, smart enough, um, wealthy enough country to avoid those things.
1: Um, Yeah, I think you're, you're completely right that it's not the message here is not to kind of, you know, scare people, but I, I do think that, um, um, you know, when, when we think about it, it's a lot more than potholes. There, there's some very, very big projects to be done here. And yeah, the, there's the small nuisances of of potholes, but uh, there's some very important work being done um, as well. Um, Can you uh, uh, talk a little bit about uh, the AEM's role in getting something uh, uh, like the IGA to pass uh, at the highest level of government?
2: Yeah. So AEM is a we're a bipartisan organization. We focus on um, the the policies, not the politics. And I I start with that. I think it's very important to say, you know, we, we talked about what is what does this investment mean it means a lot to everyone well having an if this infrastructure <laughs> passed benefits whoever you are from whatever political side you're from whatever beliefs you might have like this is for everyone so for us we work tirelessly on the hill um, whether it's partnering with other associations or having those direct meetings with our lawmakers or their staff sharing the importance of this investment and what it can do um, just for safety, right? For, for our environment to have, um, uh, you know, less emissions out there, whatever it might be, you know, you have better gas mileage to get places, you're, you're spending less money at the pump, all of those things um, uh, to really share what the importance is um, of this investment. And um, I would say our team uh, based in DC has a really strong, solid voice. And through the partnerships that we had, we were able to, you know, get this act to the president's desk for for signing. What was that, 21? Wow. 21, and we're still talking about the impact. You know, what is this going to mean? That's the other challenge, right? It was right. signed in the end of 21, and we're still talking about how we're going to pay for it. It's like, just get it done. Just get it done, <laughs> get that money out there.
1: Yeah, that's, I mean, that's exciting. Congratulations. Um, Thank you. <clears throat> uh, you Can you tell me a little bit more? So uh, sorry, I want to go back to um, the infrastructure spend. Um, Can you talk about the relationship between the investment in infrastructure and how uh, that plays a part uh, in equipment manufacturing and construction? What exactly is the relationship uh, between the industries?
2: So, you know, the the more investments that are made in infrastructure, the more projects that are developed and put out to bid, and then the more contractors that will need equipment. You know really our members are here to 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 build the equipment and provide that equipment um for the contractors that that need to use it to make the projects happen and to maybe clarify a little bit too when i'm talking about our industry i mentioned it before equipment manufacturers it's equipment manufacturers of off-highway equipment right so it's not everything that's out there um and components and and our portion of the industry alone um employs roughly 425,000 American workers, you know, and what does that mean that that directly um, translates into that the equipment manufacturing industry, supporting 2.35 million jobs, um, both in direct and indirect employment, just here in the United States. So you know, when you talk about investment in infrastructure, there's so much more that comes out of it that you know, that trillion dollars sounds like a lot. But Yep. It has that ripple effect of how it's we support the economy. We, we support jobs and from the coffee shop down the street, right to the right. You know the 711 on the corner where you can grab a sandwich, whatever it might be or the diner you know across the way to, to grab lunch. And these are all things that are that are created um, through this investment.
1: It's a staggering number of jobs and a staggering number of people um, that it touches. <laughs>
2: Yeah, but even when I talked about that 420, well, it's 427,000 to be more exact, but there's probably close to 100,000 open jobs sitting out there too. So, you know, when you talked about how we get the message out, so we're not falling into this, it's it's dire that we share this message and the value of what uh, this industry can bring to your daily life or to you as you know, a person who's of working age that needs a career, not just a job, a career. I mean, it's a viable yes. career that this offers here. So
1: it's a very rewarding career. It's not just a nine to five job
2: for sure. Yeah, well, and I think that's correct, of course. And I think there were jobs before that, you know, was always seen that way. Oh, you've got, you're working terrible hours, whatever it is. If all of us that <laughs> that have gone through covid didn't work crazy hours or different hours I mean come on now everyone's used to it i could i could sit there and get a lot of work done from 5 to 7 take a break my husband and i get the kids ready for school whatever it is make lunches then go back to work whether it's you know come into the office or at home i mean when you say, you know, crazy you know, a lot of hours or whatever it is, we're all doing that anyway. What I miss then is being outside. So here, here's a here's yeah. an opportunity to mm-hmm. offer you a chance to work inside, outside, with your hands, with your brain, whatever it is, you know, that you find value in or that you you get excited about.
1: I went to school to be a landscape architect thinking that it was important to be, you know, the designer and you know, wanted to get that piece of paper. And yeah, when I came out and it was time to find a job, I was like I don't want to be behind a desk. <laughs> I want to be outside. And okay. yeah, I went in so that I could be out and designing landscapes and be part of it, but, uh, ended up, uh, pivoting and making sure that I stayed outside. So do you, you know, so do
2: any of that now still, are you still doing that or
1: not enough. just for fun? <laughs> yeah, if for I sure. I send you a picture, I, which you deserve.
2: <laughs>
1: <there for> <laughs> I, I definitely would uh, help. And uh, yeah, I would say, uh, especially, I mean, it's spring, this time of year, you know, uh, there's We're a all lot of happening in our house for sure. Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. yeah. I'll, I'll be spreading mulch tonight, you know, 100% <laughs> and dreaming of different plants that could complement right. the garden. Oh, <laughs> I love that. Yeah. <laughs> Um so I, I maybe kind of switching a little bit here. I wanted to ask you about the um uh, the AAM uh, economic impact report and um kind of specifically to, you know, the impact on uh uh small towns and sort of the importance of these importance of the small towns and, you know, the uh man, manufacturing industry that is there.
2: Yeah, there's and so that question kind of for me evokes a couple different directions that you can go in. Um, you know, we represent the off-road equipment manufacturers, so we also are in the agriculture space. see some of the different equipment right. in my head here. So, I see the a, Yeah, a very strong farm economy. It doesn't only benefit farmers and ranchers. It also helps to, of course, protect the um, agriculture equipment manufacturing jobs across the U.S. That segment represents 650,000 jobs. Um, wow. I think supporting rural America, um, but it's not just about supporting, of course, the farm economy. It is, it's so much more. Um, what I encountered during, again, COVID, I hate bringing that up, right? But so I live fairly close to the city and we had um, internet problems, right? And all I kept hearing from my friends who are in rural areas, I have a college roommate, she and her husband um, have a farm and, and she's a teacher. And she said, the connectivity is so, is so bad, it's just so terrible. So when we talk about, you know, the farm communities and this economic impact report and and what could happen if we're not supporting these small communities, whether with a thriving, you know, manufacturing um, business or... (laughs) the basic utilities needed, we're, we're gonna see these companies or these towns just kind of get smaller and smaller and that's gonna have a huge impact on us, right? So you're growing the food in one place, but you want the food to end up over here. Well, how are you gonna get that food from one spot to another? You need strong roads. You need these equipment manufacturers based throughout, not just big cities and other areas. Um, we've got to draw from workforce from a number of different places. Um, but this, this, this challenge is that Part of this Infrastructure Act needs to go to fund, um, you know, strong utilities in these areas, Um, the strong, safe roads and bridges to move products from one place to another. We're just, you know, it's funny that you say people are leaving the small towns and then, but they're leaving the big towns too. So where's everyone going? If some are leaving small towns and some are leaving big towns, (laughs) we've got to figure out where this disconnect is. I don't know.
1: Yeah, I saw uh, a migration map recently, and it looks like everyone's going to Florida. <laughs> it seems like a lot of people are heading south, and it's I, warm I get and water.
2: that. I get that. Well, except they just got a foot of rain in like a minute, you know. There, so right. they. Yeah, I, I get right. it as far as the 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 weather. I I would wonder if that's still the case with all that's going on. I, I'm not going to get political. But with all yeah. the politics that are going sure. on, I, you have to. it'd be interesting to see how that map shakes out in a, a year or two.
0: This podcast is sponsored by Dozer, an online marketplace for heavy equipment rentals across North America. Partnering with thousands of rental houses, Dozer provides contractors with access to local suppliers, transparent pricing, mobile ordering, and an industry-leading payment option of 0% interest for 60 days. Go to dozer.com to find your next heavy equipment rental. That's D-O-Z-R dot com.
1: Do you think that uh, investment in infrastructure in small towns is overlooked?
2: I do. I do at times, yes. You know, when you're talking about where the big tax dollars are coming from to fund different things, right? Um, And who's got the loudest voice or whatever it is. But I do know our equipment manufacturers are standing up and representing the needs that they have in these smaller towns. I think, um, you know, being just, just being able to enhance the, you know, the, the rural broadband would be a huge, a huge benefit. And part of this act could go, could go towards funding that. So you can live anywhere. Some I know Milwaukee is not a small town, but people, why do you live there? I said, I can live here and I can get anywhere else I need to. I can connect with anyone I want to. You could live in any small town basically now and work almost yep. anywhere or get anywhere, but we need to keep supporting the services for those small, um, those public utilities. Like I said, the rural broadband is a huge part of it. And then make the connectivity easier. So again, with better roads or bridges, you know, you're gonna spend less time on the roadways. Um, you You can get into electrical vehicles. I don't know if we're going to or not, but you know, just that better efficiency, make it more cost effective. And then that kind of takes the challenges away or the cons away from someone who's debating if they should live in small town or large town equalize it a little bit without adding the things that the small town people hate bring them the things they need right access to sure. strong internet or something you know fresh clean water i mean these are basic things that could i think make a difference
1: um, agreed with all of those uh funny how uh um clean water and strong internet are right beside each other in that conversation. You know, uh, I guess that's, a 2023. Uh, it sounds like you, you have, uh, a passion around electric vehicles. Um, was there something there that you wanted to share?
2: <laughs> well, I don't know. Yes or no. So for us, um, I think, uh, well, and we just, what was just passed that, um, for automobiles that they all need to, be electric by a certain year I forgot it was it just was going through legislature they were just discussing it but um, you know that impacts us as well off-road equipment um, it's whether it's electrical or something else it's just reducing you know the the uh, dependency on fossil fuels that can help to make a, a difference you know our industry is very, concerned and engaged with um, sustainability initiatives and wanting to do what's in the best interest of, of everyone, you know, our environment and our people. Um, and so I think right now, there's so much attention on electric, it makes sense, but you, again, you need that infrastructure in place to support the move towards electric vehicles. Um, and the cost right now, when we're talking automobiles, it's, it's pretty high for the average American to be able to purchase Um, An electric vehicle. Now I know there's cost savings down the road, but you've got kids that are graduating college and can't find a job. How are they going to afford a fifty thousand dollar car in hopes that they're going to save on gas in ten years? What? When you were twenty two, did you think that far down? No. So I, I I think it's 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 pretty it's pretty cool in our industry to see. I I know you weren't in Las Vegas; we were just at Conexpo-Comex to see, you know, solar powered equipment and the electrical vehicles that were out there, the hydrogen yep. cell batteries like that. I get super excited about about that. And Kevin, you can stop me anytime here. <laughs> but it, to me, it goes back to that changing the perception of our industry, right? There were the three yep. Ds, you know, that it's dangerous, it's dark, it's dirty. It's not. It's it's really, it's in. We're in like the precipice of greatness here with the direction that we're going, and I just wish that more people, you know, would understand or embrace it or learn about it. Don't assume, right? Don't assume that it was the way it used to be. There's so much change. Right. A lot that all started with electrical vehicles.
1: But <laughs> well, it leads me right into my next question about how do we get more people into this industry? Um, you know, what, what what's stopping them? How do we, you know, bring them?
2: Yeah. I, well, one is talking about it and sh- showing the, the faces and and sharing the stories um, of how various people got into this industry. I think for our young people, it's getting to the parents, um, you know, and say, I know you want every generation wants something better. Right. For, for their for their kids but we're looking at a time when this next generation is not gonna make more than us, that they're gonna be struggling. It's gonna be harder for them to find the jobs that perhaps yeah. you thought they could find. And what we offer here in this industry is just solid career. Um, you can start as an intern, you can start as a machinist, and you could become an engineer, and you could be a CFO, a CEO, a CEO, whatever it is. I mean, there's a lot of different paths and opportunities, but even just starting out, in this industry, um, they're family-supporting jobs. You can start at almost ninety thousand dollars. That's the industry average for us, and that is well above what um, the career or you know job averages in other industries. I we get to these kids, kids young, they're 22 years old, they're 20 years old, they're driving this brand new pickup truck, cause they can afford it. You know, Get those stories out there. Like I know you just went to school and now you're 60, 70, $100,000 in debt. And I don't know how long it's gonna take you to pay that back. You could start off right here, get into one of these jobs. If you wanna go to college, they'll pay for your college for you, right? And you could be earning money as you're going. Um, I, I think we just gotta change the perception and we got to get to the parents and tell them it's not dirty and dangerous and dark. It's clean and fulfilling and exciting and challenging. And safe. It is very safe. Yeah, I mean, I was in India and I toured um, one of our members' manufacturing facilities. And I think, oh, my gosh, you go to India and, oh, what's that like? And, you know, it it is what it is. I'm in this manufacturing facility. It was so clean. You could have. I wasn't going to, but you could have eaten off the floor. I mean, it's bright. There's natural light. It's, mm-hmm. it's clean. It's safe. There's robotics. It's technologically advanced. I mean, right. I just, there's misperceptions out there. Yeah. Um,
1: so my team shared with me some, uh, one of your thoughts around, uh, schooling and how, mm-hmm. uh, you know, kids are, or uh, kids, um, young, young adults. adults what do we sorry. call them yeah. yeah i know like i can't believe i just said kids i'm one of am i that old now i'm that person um, yeah you're that person now i used to hate those people i know
2: we, we are those people it's
1: like super embarrassed Um uh, so um Yeah, you had this really insightful uh, thought. Can you kind of share a little bit more about uh, that sort of college, university experience?
2: I know what you're talking about. So this is based on my daughter, number two. She's 18 and she's finishing up her senior year in high school. And my husband and I um, never really thought a four year college was the right thing for her. You know, and we don't push our kids one way or another. Right. We'll support them in what they want to do. And we are in a college prep town. You know, my ex and my oldest is in her second year of university. All my friends are going. Well, I want to, I don't want to live at home. I want to go, you know, live with my friends. Well, you could, you could go to a tech school. You could go to this or whatever. I'd still have to live at home. I can't afford an apartment, you know, whatever. And we, I thought about that. And I was like, what if she had the opportunity so she could go work somewhere and they provide housing. They provide her the experience she's looking for while she's learning. Maybe she's learning about the job. She's not taking a class she doesn't need. She doesn't Mm -hmm. need an English class. She's not gonna do anything with it. She doesn't need one more math class. As long as she can figure out the percentage on a sales rack, she's good. And I'm not downplaying those that do need that. My, again, my older daughter's in all that, but she just wants that experience to be on her own. And, And I thought about it too, and I thought, well, who's, I've thought about it more since I made this comment in Vegas. Well, who's responsible for that? You know, the OEMs or the people that want, that need this workforce? Not necessarily. I'm going to pay for her anyway to go to school and live in the dorms and get that experience. And more than likely, she'll make it a year. If she does more, great. If she doesn't, great. We'll figure it out. But I'm going to pay for that dorm. then i was Mm -hmm. thinking huh so what if it was sort of like a partnership or an agreement like we're going to offer your child here's a safe place here's a dorm here's food on the job training maybe some life skills you know they Mm -hmm. don't want to listen to us so much maybe there's something wrapped around in there and maybe i'm paying for her dorm because i would have done it anyway and then there's kids that can't afford it fine then you figure out scholarships or programs you know that it's kind of leveled up but i just I was thinking there's a way maybe tech schools have to offer or should offer dorms. I have a friend whose son is at a tech school. They offer no dorms. It's not near his home. So that they found, you know, an elderly woman who was looking to rent a room. So he lives with this 80-year-old woman. He takes care of all the snow and anything she needs. And that's great. They found that. But not everyone's going to find that. And he lives With an 80 year old woman he's not living with people his age he's not getting to know the kids in the program or anything so i just i think there's something we could do about that
1: i definitely think there's something as soon as i heard that i hadn't really thought about this in the past and up in canada we have university and college and i went to college before i went to university and it was a totally different experience there's a lot of things that i really loved but you know Going to college, it was kind of like, you know, why aren't you going to university, right? Like, there's a lot of, I could feel it. I could feel people thinking and you're know, like, probably saying it like.
2: Whether they're judging you or not, you felt like they were?
1: I felt like they were, yeah. Whether they were or weren't, right? And then, you know, the, the part that made it feel like just, just that little extra bit of depressing was, it it, it wasn't the same experience. So I, had a, I did have a really great experience, but I was watching, you know, friends uh, go to university, and you know, the, you know, they were staying in dorms whereas I, I was. renting, you know, a room in a house. Yeah. The, the dorm wasn't available. It was. Yeah. You know, it's like I kind of would have liked to do that. You know, I, I missed out on that that experience. Now that I went to university and I got it, but uh, I, I think. Um, I think I think you're you're hitting on something here that you know many of us may not be thinking about. So. I,
2: don't, I don't think it would be as hard. It's some sort of even if it was a partnership with a tech school, you know, and a couple yeah. OEMs got together in one area. So where we are really close to us is Komatsu Mining and and Case and Manitowoc. And there's a whole bunch more, right? So what if they work together with some sort of tech school and said, Listen, we'll invest some money in this, maybe there's some general classes, they get some branding, they get first pick at graduates or you know, or whatever it is, and then kids can choose and then if they sign with an OEM, then that OEM could take over the cost of getting you know, then that kid has to stay young adult ugh, has <laughs> to stay there commit for a year or two of employment. You know, whatever. I just I think there's other ways we could do this if we just thought differently.
1: Yeah totally. Um, I'm gonna to shift gears a little bit. Uh, I'm so now that the uh, the um, infrastructure act is is signed, where do you think um, uh, the next investment should be in construction?
2: It's interesting that you ask that and say the next investment because even though it's signed, <laughs> the funding mm-hmm. isn't doled out yet, right? So, I right. mean, I'd like us to finish what we started, um, right. especially because ever since I well, not ever since I've been here, it's been at least ten years since we were struggling to get something signed, and we just kept having extension after extension. And I and I hope we avoid that. Um, right. But I, you know, I think beyond the, the roads, the bridges, the ports, I mentioned it that r- the rural broadband is so important, and yeah the the water access to fresh clean water is you would think we should be talking about this in third world world countries and we're talking about it here you know whether the water is coming down from you guys and it's getting stopped somewhere by ranchers and then we have people with no i i i realize now that i'm getting older how lucky i am to live on one of the great lakes i mean never did right. i think it was going to be something that i maybe saw in the movies where hmm. We're going to, mo- you know, we monetize access to this water. And well, what's, how is that going to, how is that sustainable? So I, um, I'm excited to see investments in rural broadband, like I said, the the clean water, um, and then putting the talk about um, sustainability initiatives to to work, you know, seeing the changes that we can, we can make so that this planet is here for all of our kids and grandkids, you know, well beyond what we're currently right. looking
1: awesome what uh, what advice would you give uh, somebody looking to join uh, the trades today
2: um you know honestly i think if somebody was unsure about it i would encourage them to talk to people in the industry it's it's crazy how open and inviting people are in this industry you You can talk to CEO of one company, or you could talk to a product manager, or you could get in and talk to somebody on the shop floor, ask them questions. I mean, I, and if not, then, you know, read up on, on the industry a little bit and see the growth and see the potential and, and, you know, get into the, some of the census data and understand that this offers viable careers, you know, with living wages and that. Um, I would, I would say if you don't feel like a desk job is for you, you might want to consider it you know, and just yeah. ask, do an internship. We have at any given time here at AM, we have, and we're, we're in the office, but we're out too. We're out there with our members and with our events. We have seven to eight interns roughly here at any given time. And they're just wow. learning and they have access to the OEMs. They have access to the presidents and the CEOs of these companies and they get to talk to them and ask questions. Just, you know, get involved, try an internship someplace where you never thought you would do it and see what happens. And if you don't like it, you're young enough. Your resume is not long enough that you, you could quit, and move on somewhere else. Just keep that off your resume if it doesn't work out, right? <laughs> <laughs> check, check it out somewhere else.
1: That uh, that internship sounds pretty amazing. Is that is that a pretty competitive uh, spot to get into?
2: Um. Well, right now, there's so many people looking and, you know, you could work at Target and make $15 an hour. So it is hard to remain, you know, competitive with that. But um, we haven't had any problems filling our internships and we pull kids, young adults from all over the place. So it's 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 been, I believe, a pretty well, like I said, I started as an intern. It can be a fairly rewarding job. Love
1: it. Um, so last question, uh, Megan, we always you know, like to ask people uh, what their, their favorite piece of equipment is. I see a bunch in the background. Um, is it one of those? Uh, what's your favorite piece?
2: My favorite piece of equipment is a piece of equipment that's working. <laughs> it's out there, that it's on a job site or in a field, and, and it's working. So, um, you know, we've got, we, we show all of this fun stuff, all the brand new stuff at all of our events at Again, we were in Vegas for Con Egg, Con and IFB, and then we've got Utility Expo, and World of Asphalt, and Commodity Classic, and that's really nice to see that pretty shiny stuff and they let you climb on it, but the best is when it's out there in the field working.
1: <laughs> well said. Uh, where can uh, where can our lister- listeners find you and connect with you?
2: Um, I'm on LinkedIn, Megan Tunnell. Um Probably the best way.
1: Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> awesome uh this has been great megan thanks so much for uh taking the time i know it's uh great weather and i i won't stand in front of uh you know you getting inside here any longer so <laughs> thank you know, and i'm headed, I'm headed but,
2: up north your way next month i'll be in waterloo and gulf
1: oh I, li- I live in guelph and oh. our office is in kitchener which is Are touching Waterloo. Yeah.
2: So, so Linda Hassanfratz, who's the CEO of Linamar right there, yes. she's our treasurer, so I'm going to go spend some time with her, and then uh-huh. I'm coming in town in Waterloo, Is I think it's called Innovate Canada, um, okay. an event that's going on, so they're talking about all the technology and great innovation uh, coming out of different spots in Canada, and then we're looking to hold um, a summer board meeting up there, so I'm going to meet with a couple different cities there, so.
1: Oh wow! I can't believe I'm gonna be so close (laughs) to. Yeah, yeah, maybe, uh, maybe we should have done this in person, drink or something. We definitely should have done this in person. (laughs) Sounds awesome. Um, Yeah, cool. So, well, uh, maybe we take that part offline.
0: But uh, yeah, thank you. (laughs) Yeah, take care. You have a great weekend. We hope you enjoyed this episode with Megan. If you enjoyed the episode, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. You can also follow us on social media or watch all of our episodes on YouTube. And make sure to subscribe there as well. All links to the guests are provided in the description of this episode, as are Building Builders links. Thanks again for tuning in, and we look forward to having you back for our next episode with Brian Baumler.